travellers and welcome to the latest and highly responsible edition of You Should Have Been There with me, Simon Calder. And me, Mick Webb. And uh, indeed, today's podcast is going to be about responsible tourism. Can we actually find out uh, what it really means and uh, how, I suppose, uh, easy it is for us to um, become responsible tourists? And I must say, Simon, um, I'm sure uh, you've been very busy this week and probably haven't been able to follow the tabloid headlines in the way that I have. But uh, judging by what's been going on with our uh, fellow UK travellers, we've got a long way to go to become responsible. For example, did you spot the Lake District uh, fiasco? No, uh, tell me more. What's, What's going on there? Well, it was set in a Lake District campsite, uh, and uh, which has now been shut down due to people flouting uh, the rules of uh, uh, COVID uh, restrictions, and also I would have thought of uh, general decent behaviour, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, leaving a lot of litter. And the owner of the campsite in Borrowdale was quoted as saying uh, that it had been inundated with COVID campers who treated their uh, campsite like a mini festival. She said they were so fed up there that they were closing for three or four weeks. That is absolutely ridiculous. Um, First of all, I I deplore, of course, any irresponsibility among any travellers at all. But to close when you are uh, enjoying the most, uh, the strongest demand of any uh, season ever, because everyone's desperate to get a little bit of a holiday after the, what we've been through, um, strikes me as, um, well, irresponsible. But um, carry on. What's your next one? Can I just say what uh, what the problems were? Yeah. Uh, oh, campers, on, then, had yeah. Arrived, campers had arrived in groups that were too large, set up their tents too close to each other, ignored the 2300 sound cutoff and left mounds of rubbish, including tents, gazebos, airbeds and chairs, <laughs> she said. Um, now, in fact, uh, the mention of uh, tents and chairs um, brings me on to <laughs> my next headline, which, um, uh, of course, is still an allegation, but um, involves our own prime minister. Oh, gosh. Uh, and, uh, and a tent uh, in a farmer's field, which he wasn't actually permitted to put the tent in, a bonfire, which uh, certainly wasn't covered by his uh, rental rules at his uh, isolated uh, Scottish holiday cottage rental, uh, and even it appears, um, again, this is an allegation, um, putting uh, chairs from inside the rental house up to create a kind of style in order to get up the fence, <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> get, uh, to get over the fence that divided his bit of property from the farmer's field where sometimes sheep want to safely graze. That's extraordinary. Um, <laughs> the height of irresponsibility. And I imagine that, uh, that there's quite a lot of um, uh, irresponsibility DNA shared with those campers in the Lake District. I would just like to point out um, it was 50 years ago today, more or less, that we all started making our way to the Isle of Wight Pop Festival in 1970, in which there was exactly nothing left behind you didn't leave well you didn't take a gazebo in the first place and you certainly didn't (laughs) leave it behind it was probably the most uh, responsible big event six hundred thousand people ever okay got any more irresponsibility stories from the tabloids 
Uh, yes, this is one um, involving uh, one of our own. In fact, uh, a, uh, a major premiership football captain. I can't bring myself to mention the team because it's <laughs> Manchester United and obviously uh, I really don't like them at all. But, um, if uh, anybody's listening, uh, the uh, teams that uh, Mick and I sadly support are respectively Crystal Palace and Crawley Town. Yes, that's true, actually. Well, um, now, Harry Maguire, the uh, most expensive defender in the history of football, has been involved in a little problem on the Greek island of Mykonos. And obviously, uh, as of now, he has uh, uh, returned home and has pleaded not guilty to a rather bizarre set of... uh, (laughs) Of charges, which included um, bribing uh, a, a policeman to um, cover up the whole whatever unseemly uh, episode it was. And he might well obviously uh, not have been involved at all. And it might just have been um, people he was with and maybe it never happened at all. But it does seem to suggest that um, trouble and UK holidaymakers seem to go hand in hand. Is that a fair assessment? I think it probably is. Um, and he sounds like a, a late qualifier for our sure was glad to get out of there alive um, <laughs> slot from, from a, a, a short while ago. But uh, yeah, the, the the British holiday maker has never been noted for her or his responsibility. Basically, as soon as we possibly could, um, we were um, out and about enjoying ourselves. And as soon as the the jet age began and it became feasible for us to uh, head south and get more reliable weather, cheaper beer, um, maybe a, a, even a sousson of um, a foreign culture, we were off. And it's been the same ever since. And even in the era of COVID, the... Uh, extraordinary surge of demand for people suddenly desirous to uh, fly off for a few days to um, uh, Portugal, suddenly um, on on the OK list. It's just um, spectacular. Um, But tourism in general is built upon questionable principles. And right up until the start of the crisis, it was certainly the case that you kind of almost had the divine right to fly off to anywhere you wanted to in the world, do whatever you wanted to, and come home again, regardless of your impact on the planet, regardless of your impact on the locals. Um, it was uh, a carte blanche, I think, to, um, uh, to to be as irresponsible as you wished. And maybe this is a good time to pause and consider it. Well, I did get an inkling of uh, uh, a possible change of heart of the uh, travel industry uh, rather than the actual travellers when you and I went to the world travel market uh, in that huge uh, Excel building in East London which has now become um, well famous in a good and bad way for hosting the first Nightingale Hospital to treat people suffering from COVID. And when we went, it was uh, November 2019. And the massive event uh, uh, at which many, many, many nations of the world, well, at least their tourist agencies, attend to um, uh, basically uh, exchange ideas and uh, network, there's a lot of that about, (laughs) and uh, and flog as much as they can um, in terms of holidays, uh, new ideas and the like. Uh, I had a, a, a look back through the uh, weighty tome which uh, detailed all the things that were going on there a sort of calendar of events and I found that the phrase responsible travel 
cropped up 21 times in the World uh, Travel Market <laughs> programme of, uh, of, of uh, events for 2019. Um, and that was most, that was the most of any uh, actual phrase. And just to get an idea of a comparison, LGBT only had three entries. Wellness oh. had three. Food Ooh. tourism had three. And of course, the incredibly vague social media was kind of up there with 17. But responsible travel um, carried the day. Uh, <laughs> I, did, you, did you get any brushes with it when you went? Well, you always do. You always do. Um, or at least you always did. Not entirely clear what's going to be happening uh, this year with the um, great festival of indulgence that is the world travel market. But quite um, famously, New Zealand, which is the country furthest away from us here in the UK, has a slogan 100% pure. And it is aiming at enticing people to this this um clean sparkling wilderness of wonders but of course first of all you and i cannot possibly go there at the moment and secondly if we did there's a small matter of flying pretty much exactly halfway around the world and back again and so i'm i'm not particularly uh, take, taken with with that i'm not also not particularly taken with the um, use of uh, other terms here we are um, what about eco-sploring that is something you are urged to do in a uh, uh, an area of um, the uh, Florida panhandle. Good heavens above. It sounds as though it might be quite painful, but presumably <laughs> it's it's another subsection of responsible tourism. It is, yes. In South Walton, there's no shortage of eco-sploring opportunities among the forests, trails and lakes. Um, so you, you go exploring in an ecological frame of mind but of course everybody's in a, um, a, a rental car at least I was and I didn't get a confirmation of my booking but a car formation <laughs> you can see what they're doing there <laughs> but in a perfect world Mick you and I would do nothing other than go around our local area on bicycles either camping or indeed staying in in existing buildings that have been converted into um uh bed and breakfast that's proper sustainable tourism that has effectively nil um impact and the only really uh pure way to travel which you can't do at the moment is do you want to have a guess uh mechanized travel that is well i'm sure you're going to say f flying in an airplane no, I'm going to say hitchhiking oh. <laughs> because you are not adding to demand. This is a, 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 a brief but a crucial point. When you or I buy a bus ticket or a plane ticket or a rail ticket, you are signalling I am demanding this, uh, uh, th this piece of transport and the operator is going to infer, ah, oh, Mick's bought a ticket and he'll probably want one next week or next year. So I'll put on enough services for that. When you are hitchhiking, you are creating no demand. You are increasing the uh, fuel burn mi microscopically. So the only way to travel is by hitchhiking. But of course, we can't do that because you cannot share vehicles with strangers at the moment. No, I never thought I would um, uh, see the day where hitchhiking effectively became illegal. 
But it's quite interesting that nowhere in uh, the reams of often um, uh, impenetrable prose that I've read about responsible travel over the last week has hitchhiking ever got a mention. And I bet <laughs> if you put it into the World Travel Market <laughs> Programme of Events <laughs> website, you would not get a single thing. You'd even be right. below yes. wellness um, yes. uh, on the scale. Um but I'm interested to hear from somebody who I know you uh, went to see uh, uh, earlier this week uh, and recorded a conversation with somebody who is a proper responsible traveller. Yes, this is uh, Anna Hughes, um, an old sparring partner. I don't think she would mind me saying that in the sense that we will often um, end up on various media debating the benefits and the drawbacks of flying. She is actually the director of Flight Free UK, a pressure group, obviously. It, 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 uh, it does what it says on the tin. And the idea is simply that the largest amount of damage that your trip or mine is going to do to the planet is going to involve flying there. And um, there, there are always, uh, almost always, uh, terrestrial alternatives for getting there. Or indeed, you can simply um, curtail your uh, travelling ambitions, which, of course, many of us are doing at the moment. Um, anyway, uh, we, we uh, had a chat, sadly, um, not face to face, but uh, via one of the well-known um, uh, technological alternatives. And I asked Anna, when did she last fly? I personally haven't been on an aeroplane for more than 10 years, but I see myself as very well travelled. I see myself as someone who does understand other people, people who aren't like me, people who are from other cultures, uh, because I still travel by saying on the ground. I really genuinely think it's about how we see travel and how we approach it in our minds rather than where we go. And I would use an example of the typical holiday maker who would fly somewhere, typically with other Brits, stay in a British resort, stay with other Brits, sit on a beach, drink cocktails with other Brits and then come home again. I, I would argue that that person hasn't experienced a culture in a meaningful way and hasn't perhaps then understood the country that they've been to visit of course that's not the case for everyone but but I think that having a genuine um, um, enriching travel experience that that really opens you up to the way the world works is less dependent on where you go it's more dependent on how you feel and how you think and how you approach these things okay Anna Hughes I want you to tell me if you possibly can can you rank these travellers in order of irresponsibility um <laughs> most irresponsible first oh, um, no. so a skier a cruise fan who likes uh, going on going on cruise ships i'll write these down uh, oh yeah okay well there's only four of them so don't oh, worry um okay so a skier somebody who likes going on cruise ships a person who can't get enough of all-inclusive resorts or a business traveller who will only ever travel in business class? So there are many factors here. Business travel, business class is typically very carbon heavy, mainly because of the space you take up on the on the plane. So your emissions are going to be three to five times higher than everybody else in that economy. Um, so yeah, I would say that possibly is the highest. Having said that, cruise trips are really, really damaging as well, uh, very on a par with a flight. And in fact, many cruises would, would require you to fly to get there in the first place. So um, that's also very high. So there's a skier. And what was the other one? 
Um, I should have, I should have written them down. Just, no, no, no. Somebody who loves uh, all-inclusive resorts. Oh, all-inclusive resorts tend to be quite high carbon or quite um, high environmental cost just because of the way they're set up. If you want to reduce your environmental cost when you're away, it's better to be self-catered. It's better to kind of find your own thing to do and all that kind of stuff. I might say the skier would be would come off the best, actually. Skiing as an activity per se is not as bad as some people think it is. And, and it's, it's one of the ones out of the list that would connect you with the outdoors and with nature and perhaps, you know, give you that enthusiasm for protecting a landscape, especially because with climate change, we're going to see a lot less reliable snow. So if you're really keen about skiing, then you probably want that snow to remain. Um, and of course, there are plenty of ski resorts that you can reach by train, by coach, uh, even driving if you choose to do that. So uh, yeah, I would say skiing probably comes out top of that list. <laughs> Anna, thank you so much. Much as I, um, I, I admire uh... Anna's commitment to non-flying and indeed her um, assessment of what is and isn't uh, responsible travel. I think I'd have to take issue with the idea that uh, skiers are indeed responsible travellers. And um, I'm not being holier than thou because uh, I've actually done um, a reasonable amount of skiing uh, and Mm -hmm. I think it's absolutely fantastic. However, you and I have both... um, trekked through mountain landscapes uh, during the summer and I've got to say disfigured would be putting it mildly. I, I also enjoy skiing and I equally when you are uh, climbing through the Pyrenees as we've done quite often and indeed the Alps and any other mountain range it is rather disheartening just to see this this gaunt framework of lifts and restaurants and all sorts of other stuff which has just been planted there which is meaningful only during the winter and scars these beautiful landscapes particularly when you've got this wonderful um, mountainside forest with a dirty great gouge cut through it for the benefit I must say of you and I. There's another reason for considering uh, skiing irresponsible uh, or rather the activities of uh, ski resort owners and uh, companies that uh, run them uh, which is the use of fake snow Uh, now fake snow is used more and more uh, in Europe's uh, ski resorts for the simple reason that uh, climate change seems to have uh, reduced the amount of snow that uh, falls from the sky so these astonishing uh, machines have been made which convert vast amounts of water into snow. My understanding is that they use all kinds of unpleasant chemicals in the meantime, but no doubt the uh, operators would say, no, everything is biodegradable, including, sadly, the skier. (laughs) Well, fake snow is actually one of the causes espoused by uh, a man called Justin Francis, who actually founded the responsible travel company quite a long time ago, actually. He's... uh, also keen on not exploiting animals like elephants, you know, to have a sort of fun tourist uh, experience. And has also quite interestingly invented the idea of a trip for a trip where you as a uh, as a privileged uh, Western holiday maker uh, pay a bit more on your uh, holiday to an exotic uh, destination in order to allow a local person probably a school child to actually enjoy the same thing like a guided trip through the 
jungle, for example, that you've paid uh, mega bucks to do. And I think that's fine. Of course, tourism and responsibility are much more intertwined than I think a lot of people realise, because one reason that large parts of the world have preserved wildlife is because tourists from the West will pay an absolute fortune to go and look at it. Um, as opposed to having the land cleared and these nasty animals which destroy livestock and occasionally human lives as well, instead of them being cleared away. So uh, tourism can have many, many forces for good. And right now, there are tens of millions of people who just wish that rich Westerners were flying to their countries in order to spend money as tourists, because, well, frankly, um, that is the way that the... Uh, their livelihoods have been constructed. And yes, you can say long term, they've got to change. We've got to change. But right now, there's a lot of desperation out there. And you don't even need to go all that far afield to um, uh, sense this uh, this concern. Plucky Croatia, for instance, which has just made it onto the list that uh, no country wants to be on, Grant Shapps's no-go list, is very, very upset about the uh, lack of revenue because... 18% of its GDP is apparently generated by tourism. 18%. That's a lot, isn't it, to be well, dependent on? Uh, it, it's relatively typical for um, countries with Mediterranean shores, which, of course, attract vast numbers of us in a normal summer. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with uh, structuring your industry like that. You're meeting demand. Um, some would say you're encouraging people to make uh, damaging journeys. but it has always been the case that people have wanted to get out of their, their their discomfort zone, which I would say sums up historically for a lot of people um, the uh, the position that you are in. If you're working in a northern city or town, then you want to get out to the seashore and you want some good weather and you want some cheap beer and you want to um, meet like-minded folk or indeed go out and explore and become more culturally aligned with the people you're you're with um this is this is uh, you might remember we, we were talking about um travel sayings um and our friend blaise pascal popped up i think he was talking about wine but he also says all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone and if we're not going to do that, well, all we can do is um, go and try and be responsible. Yes, that's all very wise stuff. And um, and I think it's something that the, uh, the, the founder, and this is another guru that I've discovered, Jonathan Day, a professor uh, from, I think, Australia, who has founded something called the Travel Care Code, which is some um, advice for uh, responsible travellers. And uh, it asks three big questions. Are you respecting your hosts, i.e. Um, are you lighting bonfires in their fields without their, uh, with, with, without their permission? Um, are you reducing waste, i.e. Uh, are you sure you should be leaving your gazebo <laughs> lying by the side <laughs> of the road? Um, uh, and are you making sure the money you spend goes to the local community? Now, that's a good one in theory, but I think it's quite difficult that because I, for example, have over the last five years, I suppose, along with lots of people, tried to stay in Airbnb mm. accommodation, which in theory 
uh, and certainly according to the pledge on um, Airbnb's website, is about um, uh, staying with local people and um, becoming part of the community, etc., etc., rather than uh, staying in a uh, resort hotel owned by some um, mega company, which is many thousands of miles distant, or certainly the money <laughs> that it uh, it generates goes quite a long way away from the local community. But I think it's fairly typical nowadays to find that um, the Airbnb owner is indeed an absentee. I stayed in an absolutely lovely little house on the island of Cres, C-R-E-S, off the coast of, uh, northern coast of Croatia last year. And the owner, uh, who seemed a very nice woman um, indeed and was very helpful, actually lived in Berlin. Uh, (laughs) And and, and the cleaning uh, and uh, local management was done by her parents, her, who in fact was Slovenian and um, <laughs> drove down from Ljubljana. Now, they were lovely people and we did actually, um, we did in fact uh, follow the travel care code in many ways by uh, uh, not only respecting them, but um, inviting them to dinner uh, in their own place. And we had a very, very nice evening with them. But um, I can't help think that the money that uh, we uh, spent did not go back <laughs> to the local community, a uh, tiny uh, village on the coast of uh, Cress. And of course, 18% of the money that you spent went direct to California to Airbnb. Um, So that's almost one fifth immediately gets uh, deducted and sent to them for fixing it up. There's no easy solutions, although perhaps Finland is is coming up with a, 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 a temptingly um, uh, simple solution. Do you want to tell us about this? Yes, on the Finnish um, uh, state tourism website, there appeared uh, last year, September 2019, a sustainable Finland pledge, which um, we are urged, not required, but urged as visitors to Finland to, um, to um, undertake or sign up to, rather. Now, this pledge is uh, charmingly presented, not in tedious bureaucratic speak, but uh, in the form of a poem. (laughs) So uh, let me just read you a little bit of it. On my journey, I pledge to be like a Finn, and by this I mean slowing down from within. The wilderness lets me relax and connect. I promise to treat it with the utmost... Go on, guess respect absolutely its forests and lakes should remain plastic free so i will not leave any rubbish behind me <laughs> god you're good at this Thank you. <laughs> i'll just do one more bit well there are two i particular two other couplets that i particularly like the berries and mushrooms are there to be eaten but i'll stick to the paths that are already beaten Yes, that's right. Now, I, I, I kind of quite like going off the beaten track. So well, I'm and I sh- quite like not eating berries and mushrooms whose provenance I do not know. <laughs> but OK, well, how about this one? Long before humans, the wildlife's been there. So I won't set up camp just... Where? Anywhere? Anywhere. Ah, it, yes. And this it, takes us back to the Prime Minister. And it does, uh, yes. In- and I shall also respect the lives of locals and will be considerate with cameras or loud 
vocals but that vocal yes um yeah, that, yeah, that yeah, yeah you're done. absolutely right i mean i think it's sort of um i think some of the poetry has got <laughs> lost in translation but i i do quite like the general idea of it what a lovely way to finish uh, no pun intended <laughs> and if you've got your own sustainability pledge or code then do let us know you can send us a message at anchor.fm slash you should have been there and next week we will be um, delighted mick well why don't you tell us to broach the subject of embarrassing episodes which i have a feeling happen more often when one's on holiday than at most other times I think you're right. We're very keen to get your stories and we will be talking to some people we know about getting theirs as well as sharing ours. Talk to you next time. From me, Simon Calder. And me, Mick Wim. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.